From American Salon Magazine and .com, I'm Gordon Miller, and this is American Salon Stories, our weekly podcast featuring some of the most interesting people we know. So today I'm so excited to welcome somebody that I've long respected as a very unique talent and voice in our industry. Joe Blackwell Preston is known throughout the professional beauty industry, first and foremost for her love and passion for the profession, and secondly, for her love of sharing her gifts with her fellow professionals literally all around the world. She's a L'Oreal professional international artist and educator. She's also owner of the renowned Dop Top Salon in New York City's Soho neighborhood. She's been sharing her passion for hair color, for the business of beauty, and for our larger community of professionals for over close to 30 years. 35. 35 years. She started as a baby. It's the true story. And I love this quote from Joe that I found on the Dop Top Salon website. It says so much about who she is. Never forget why we're really in this business. It isn't to compete. It isn't to debase one another. It's to make a positive difference in people's lives. Welcome to the American Salon Stories podcast, Joe Blackwell Preston. Thank you, Gordon. How are you? I'm great. We've been trying to do this for a long time. I know. <laughs> it's it's exciting. We're both we're both busy. We'll use that as our excuse. But today today's the day. I'm excited to have you with us. So so let's start out with the basics. Let's tell our audience about who is Joe. On kind of give us a, a look at your big picture life, but also the day to day. Great. So in uh, in the hair salon world, I am I've been a hairdresser for 35 years. I've owned Dop Dop Salon. We just celebrated 20 years in Soho, and we're super proud of that. I'm married uh, to DJ Kamau Preston. I have two small children, uh, Dane, who is 11, and Ava, who is nine. Um, I sit on the board of directors for the PTA at school, Uh. and I also sit on the school leadership team for the Department of Education for New York City. So that's who I am as a mom and a wife at home. Um, In the salon industry, Again, I've been a hairdresser 35 years, but I'm also a international artist and educator for L'Oreal Professional. I teach for them basically 46 out of 52 weekends a year. Uh, I travel around. I do large shows and small seminars. And I'm also um, in the world of worlds. I'm a landmark education wisdom course leader. And that is a uh, an education for personal growth and development. And I am a life coach and a business coach for salon owners and hairdressers. I've been doing that for about 15 years. I love that part of who you are because, you know, we've, we've both been around for a long time and we know how important the technical is, how important the craft and the artistry. But we both know, I'm sure a lot of people over the years or have met a lot of people who had all that, but still didn't make it because they were missing that other side. And talk about that. What drew you to that? So I've been, uh, I've been attracted to personal growth and development since 1999. And uh, I did the Landmark Forum in 1999, and I quickly went into their leadership programs and did all of their seminars. And they're really about uh, how you speak and how you be in the world. And who you be gives you the life that you have. And uh, most of the world is set up as do everything you need to do to have everything you need to have to become who you want to become. And that isn't at all this ideology. This ideology is oncology. It's about who we be. So be who you want to be, which will have you do the things 
that you need to do to have the things you choose to have. So it's a very different thought process. It's different than do, have, be. This is be, do, have. And so we try to be as powerful as we can be and as um, communicative. And I made a declaration in 2000 that who I would be in the world is love, passion, and leadership. And I have lived inside of that promise uh, since then. And so I bring that not only to my coaching that I do with salon owners and hairdressers, but I also bring that to the world, who I am as a mom, who I am behind the chair with my clients. Um, I had a client in this morning and we just had a conversation about what's next for her and creating a future. And the client that was sitting next to us as I was coaching my client, um, the client sitting next to her was like, oh my God, that is the best coaching I've heard. I have a coach and she hasn't even said that to me. And I said, well, when you sit in my chair, it's not just about hair. It's, you know, it's great to have you look and feel beautiful, but I want your life to work too. I love that because, you know, we've all heard for so many years how the hairdresser is very much often the psychologist for a client. Um, some refer to us kind of as that as like the bartender who's also the psychologist, you know, hearing people's problems and hearing their joys, but, you know, kind of being a sounding board very often. And today we do, we, we talk about coaches, we depend on coaches. And you've like taken that idea to another level by kind of bringing the coaching mentality to those conversations. That's so cool. And I've also created a curriculum uh, that I use inside of L'Oreal Professional called Talking Risks, Retention, Inspiration, Sales, Knowledge, and Success. And it is a seminar that I teach for uh, hairdressers that is about taking my 35 years in business and how I've become so successful and giving them those tools so that they can actually take their business inside of whatever business they're in and have it catapult exponentially and become more financially solvent. You know, creating financial autonomy for young people people is the reason I opened DopDop in the first place. So talk about that. that. I didn't know that. That's Now that fascinates me. Well, I grew up in a single family, a single parent home. Uh, we were incredibly modest. We were very poor, actually, if I tell the truth. Um, I grew up on welfare and food stamps in Ohio in a very small town. And we lived in the last house on the last street that got us into a very good school system. So my mom had some vision and got us in this home. But as a young person, I was always being foreclosed on. So I was constantly getting the house ready for people, for the realtors to look at it. I went into the hair industry. I signed up for beauty school at 14. And so I knew what I wanted to do young. I wanted to be either a hairdresser, a flight attendant, or a doctor. And the first time I gave blood, I passed out. So I wasn't going to be a doctor. <laughs> and, uh, and I became a hairdresser who flies all the time. So I hit two out of the three. I love um, it. But uh, I myself had several marriages that failed. I'm in a very successful, beautiful marriage now to come out. But um, I feel like for me, for young women to have financial autonomy is extraordinarily important. So I have for the last 20 years taught my staff, young women and now young men, of course, as well, uh, how to be financially autonomous, how to make a lot of money, how to save their tips, how to invest, how to own something, how to take care of themselves and how to be able to be in a relationship 
without relying on their partner to stay afloat. That's so powerful. The um, You and I had this conversation about a year ago at, at Interquafura. We, we kind of discovered we share some background. I, I, you know, I was born into the housing projects, public housing, and um, we lost three houses by the time to foreclosure by the time I was 18. So, you know, again, that shared experience. And, and this industry is, has allowed each of us to have wonderful lives. It's so cool that you're paying it forward in a sense by creating a platform, not only for people to have a career from, but but to to have that focus on financial and, 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 and other types of autonomy. Kudos to you. So how at age 14 or what was going on in your life at 14 that you knew that this was for you, that you knew it was going to be hair? Well, the short version is it wasn't going very well at home. So I moved out with my aunt. And by the time I was in high school, uh, as a, as in like a senior in high school, I had my own apartment and I took, uh, I took, I took cosmetology at 15 and 16 and graduated at 17. And so half of my day was doing college prep in high school. And the other half was being in cosmetology school. And so I took the school bus from my apartment to school and then another school bus to beauty school, to cosmetology school, and then took another bus to my job because I had a full-time job after school as a checkout girl at Fazio's, which was a grocery store. And, uh, and then I did whatever it took to get home. I just knew I wanted to be a hairdresser. And the first time I knew that was about nine or 10 years old. My great-grandmother lived here and she came here from Sicily. And she had a very beautiful low chignon in the back of her hair that was solid gray. And once a week, my great, great aunt would take her hair down and shampoo it, blow dry it and braid it into a braid, into a plait all the way to the floor. She had never had a haircut and she would wrap it around her head into this beautiful braided chignon. And she had these beautiful old tortoise shell hair pins, like the plastic ones, and she would put it together. And it was always my grandmother's hair. My great grandmother's hair was always so captivating and no one was allowed to touch Nana's hair. And at about the age of nine or 10, my great aunt let me braid her hair for the first time. And it was like a coup d'etat. The whole family was crazy that I letting this kid do this braid. But at the time I had grown up with those Chrissy dolls where you pull the hair out of their head. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And uh, I loved them. I always did hair on the Chrissy dolls and they let me do my great grandmother, my Nana's braid and do her chignon. And it was, it was so fluid for me doing a plait at 10 years old, a three strand braid at 10 years old. It just kind of, my hands just did it. And it felt so great. And she said to me, she said, you know, Joanne, you did a beautiful job, my love. And I was like, oh, and it was the first time that I had that feeling of making someone else feel pretty. And I know that sounds so, maybe it sounds ridiculous, but for me, I have been chasing after that feeling for 35 years. When a client looks in the mirror and goes, oh my God, I look so beautiful. I'm like, And that little experience that you take in of making someone feel beautiful, you can't put a price tag on that. You can't put a, I don't know how to, you can't give it a label, but it's exhilarating. It's like an adrenaline high every time the client looks in the mirror and they have that sparkle in their eye and they're like, oh my God, I love my hair. I'm like, yes. You know, it's like two fists in the air 
like victory going through, like, like crossing the, the finish line and they're cutting the ribbon, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, and it reminds me, I, I, I once had a, the great fortune of having dinner sitting next to Vidal Sassoon. And we were talking about, you know, like what some of his thoughts were on how to have a great career. And and one of the things he mentioned was was the absolute need to have a passion for service. And then he added it, he kind of tweaked it a little bit. He said, having a passion for service. And then he said, for a passion for being in the service of other people. And that's that's the elevating of a service to that higher plane that you just talked about. There's something that making a difference for someone, you know, they, they've interviewed all these people in their 80s and 90s, and the things that they were most proud of uh, is the areas where they made a difference for another. And those are the things that stay with you because they're, they're, they're in your body. They live, they, embody, they, they become embodied inside of you. When you make a difference for someone, uh, it just is so fulfilling. You know, there's all kinds of things that you can do in the world where you volunteer for others. And when you are in service of having someone else win or fulfill on something that's important to them, it is absolutely, it, it's mind altering for you because you you receive the gift that you give. And it reminds me, I, I'm not going to remember the exact quote, but there's a Maya Angelou, Angelou quote that is about, you know, um, how people remember not so much what you do or you say, but they remember how you make them feel. That is the quote. You did really well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that was a, that was I was reaching. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the quote. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. The um, so I always ask everybody this question, and and that is, and again, knowing you're a power networker and you've had so many connections, best advice anyone's ever given you professionally, and and why you think it, it might be helpful to our audience. Well. I had the profound privilege of starting my career in Houston, Texas with John and Marianne McCormick at Visible Changes. And when I started there, I had this extraordinary opportunity to work with the industry's best hairdressers um, and be trained by them. And I can, I want to share two different things. Both of these gentlemen have since passed away, but they're both icons in our industry. Um, the first great piece of advice that I ever got from a hairdresser was from uh, Jerry Gordon. And Jerry Gordon said, very simply, never worry about what the hair is on the floor. Never worry about what's left on the floor. Worry about what's left on the head. So whether you're trimming a quarter of an inch or you're trimming 10 inches makes absolutely no difference. It doesn't make the hairdresser, the haircut worth more or be better or any of those things. Don't worry about what's on the floor. Worry about what's on the head. I love that. That's fascinating. That's a great way of looking at it. And I was 18 at the time. And I was like, holy God, that's powerful. And that has stayed with me. And I have shared that per that particular little uh, quote and advice my entire career with every class that I teach. And I always credit Jerry for it because he was larger than life to me. And he was so down to earth. And let me let me say for our audience who may not know Jerry, a Chicago-based salon owner, um, but known all over the world, and, and grew up with Horst and the Aveda team, and um, and was a bigger than life personality. But I, I encourage anybody who doesn't know of Jerry to just Google him. Google Jerry Gordon, maybe hair, and and you'll find there's been so many articles and interviews, and he had so much passion. 
And he drove a motorcycle and a Ferrari. And a Ferrari. And a Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) So beautiful. What a beautiful man. And then the second piece of advice that I got at a very young age, also at 18 years old, um, when I worked at Visible Changes and I got on the floor, they were having this retail contest. And it was a six-week-long retail contest. And I was the newest hairdresser on the floor. But I didn't know anything. So everybody had to buy retail. Like, what did I know, right? And I won the contest the youngest person in the salon. And I won this contest and I got to have dinner with Paul Mitchell, but I love Paul. He was so powerful. And he said to me, he said, listen, clients will be early. Clients will be late. It doesn't matter. Take the one that's standing in front of you. It'll all work out. That's really good. <laughs> that's a great, you know, invisible changes again, uh, you know, for, for anybody who doesn't know, John and Marianne McCormick, uh, for those of our audience who may not know them are our icons, number one, but you won a retail contest. Now they are known as the king and queen of retail. The numbers are astronomical. That's, that's another podcast. I'm going to have to have them both on, but um, they take retail very seriously and, and they, because they know the power of retail uh, for the client, for, for, for building success behind the chair, for the professional. Um, it's a, that was a big deal. Yeah. Well, I'm still a retail Diva. Uh, this past week, I worked four days. I did a total of eleven thousand, but thirteen hundred of it was retail. So let's 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 talk yeah. about that. So <laughs> that's first of all, that's crazy. Um, good for you. So, but talk about. Let's take a minute and talk about retail because it doesn't come up enough, and and it is important. You know, I, I'm a client. I'm not a hairdresser, and I, I it frustrates the heck out of me that that hairdressers don't talk retail to me. Well, you know, we just had a staff meeting this morning, and we just employed a retail contest from today till the end of the year that our top retailer in the salon, we're giving them five nights and six days in Panama, all expenses paid. That's how we feel about retail around here. I'm of an advanced age and I'm thinking about retirement. And Panama is top of my list. I may have to come visit you and see if I could get in on the contest. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm planning to go down to Panama before the year's out. So so that's really cool. But why, why would you say if, if, that retail matters? From the, from the point of view of a professional, why should a hairdresser behind the chair care about retail? Because the statistics say that three out of four clients purchase at least one product within 24 hours of getting their hair done, and 11 out of 12 products are purchased at the grocery store, and that should piss you off. <laughs> it's really simple. If the client is going to buy at least one product, they should be buying it from you. They're going to buy something anyway. They should be buying it from you. So what we do, the very simple way of selling retail at DopDop, and I've used it for years and I don't deviate from it. If something works, you don't, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So it's quite simple, Gordon. What we do is we have baskets at our retail area and our retail is downstairs on the cutting floor. There's some upstairs too, but it's downstairs on the cutting floor so that the hairdressers are around it and the clients are around it all the time. So those are the two main things. And then the third thing we found is that if you put the client's products in their hands, they get overwhelmed. But if you put the client's products in a basket and put their ticket in the basket and send them up with just a basket, it really is comfortable and it adds a level of personalization, customer service, and luxury for them. So we find that if you put one product in the basket, they buy it, two products, they buy it, three products, they buy it. If you put four products in the basket, they mostly buy three. 
And if you put five products in the basket, they mostly buy four. Wow, that's great insights. I love I love your your little research project that topped up. It's like a case study every day, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's another great statistic. I, I saw some PNG research a few years ago that where they were studying salons and said that the act of recommending product in and of itself, because we're all not going to say yes in a moment. Maybe we don't need product. And and I think people get frustrated and maybe lose their incentive to sell because of that the no, right? And and well, you Can I I address that? Yes. I never think that there's a no. It's always a maybe, no, not now, maybe later. And the, the, the sentence, and I teach this in my talking risks class, the sentence that we use at DopDop, in my professional opinion, this is what you need. Feel free to take what you want. Oh, that's good. Say that again. In my professional opinion, this is what you need. Feel free to take what you want because they're grown adults. They'll figure it out. I think hairdressers worry about how much it's going to cost or is it going to impact their tip? And actually, our clients tip on the total, not on the service. So if you've got $100 worth of retail up there, you're getting an extra $20 in your tip because they're going to tip on the total of the ticket, not the retail. So if you're professional about it and you're not driving that ridiculously hard sell, you empower them to choose. You know, I I don't think we should ever be projecting ourselves and the way we think about money and the way we make purchases onto other people. I read a P&G study a few years ago on, you know, kind of behavior by the consumer in the salon. And they said that just by virtue of recommending product, not necessarily even selling product, by recommending product, that retention went up exponentially. That we as consumers, and I, you know, I know this about myself, that I appreciate you recommending products, even if I don't need it, because it shows that you cared about me. Well, you know, our good friend, Michael Cole has his, uh, a little bit more off the top book in his jump journals and Michael Cole. Uh, and I believe this, I've always believed this. Uh, when you sell retail, that is part of customer service because every time, not only does it improve your ticket, but every time the client shampoos their hair and they smell that scent they have brain recall that makes them think of you. Ooh, that's, I hadn't heard, thought of that or heard of that, but that makes so much sense. And it's customer service to be professionally recommending things to people. Yep, exactly. So. Exactly. Love it. So let's talk a little bit about, I know one of your big passions, which is hair color. Um, yes. Biggest service in the salon, right? Driving, driving all that money. And, and, yep. and driving careers forward. And now with social media, we know everybody's paying attention to it. And so a yeah. um, little bit of like what's happening in hair color right now. Any, any big ideas, any, any things you want to share? Well, it's interesting. Hair color for the last 18 months has been on a bit of a rainbow bright trip. I'm not going to lie. It's not bad. It definitely is a certain taste. I think that uh, between lightening everybody's hair to do these rainbow colors and using bond builders, which have become really important. We need smart bond when we're lightening the hair to level 2007 Um, and all of the color changes that are happening. It's really important to um, like choose your poison. I think like you got to pick your poison. I think there are some people out there in the industry that do Uh, a lot of the different rainbow colors really, really well and subtle and pretty and gorgeous. Like Shelly Gregory, like she's just, she's got this eye for it. That's really pretty. 
Um, I think that there are a lot of them that scare the bejesus out of me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not bad, um, but just it's just not my taste and color. Um, I have clients that are pink or purple or blue, uh, but I never think you should have, even in regular natural hair color, you should never have more than three tones on the head at once because there's too much for the eye to look at. That's just my personal opinion. You do not have to with me you can like I, I i just i listen as my husband always says if you can't stand for something you'll fall for anything so my affinity around color i stand for what i believe in and i'm just really i think we're here to make people look absolutely beautiful um and i'm into really expensive blondes expensive brunettes and expensive redheads so i have a slightly different taste of color i like three tones in the same family with altered levels on the same head. And what's so great about this industry is that, you know, the, the consuming public is extremely diverse, you know, in, in taste, in needs, in, um, in their ability to spend money, you know, and, and therefore so should our industry be diverse in, in talents. And so it's, it's perfect. It really does work. You know, the truth of the matter is, Gordon, 40% of America still colors their hair at home. So there is no such thing as competition. We have plenty of platforms and plenty of types of taste and color to be able to serve every single client. Nobody should be left out. You know, we're not, we are not at a lack or loss of clientele. There's so many people to work on. So um, for me, I, like I said, I like triple tones in my blondes, my brunettes, and my redheads. I love double process blonding. That is something that I personally have a tremendous clientele of double process blondes that travel from all over the country every three weeks to get their hair done with me. So that is one of my real gifts. Uh, I love an ice blonde. It just makes me makes me happy. Uh, but I do see people going back towards foiling which is very interesting. We've been doing balayage for like the last three years. And I work for L'Oreal Professional, which is like the mothership of balayage education. Um, and I am, I'm so proud of who we are as a company that has the best balayage education in the world. Uh, but I'm a foiler to my core. And I see a lot of clients coming back to foil. So that's kind of fun. Uh, we also have a young uh, an entire new group of people in our industry, young hairdressers who have been hair painting and balayaging right out of beauty school and don't know how to hold a foil, let alone put one in the hair. So I think foiling education is going to go back up on the rise because they don't know how to do what they don't know how to do. And they don't even know that they don't know. So, <laughs> um, and I think you can create a lot more dimension, three-dimensional color with foil. And I personally like the heat aspect of foil. I love that it's got that heat conduction to it. I book every 15 minutes in my salon, so I need to go fast. And having that bit of heat conduction, and also, you know, we're using all these bond, built bond builders. We use Smart Bond in the salon by L'Oreal Professional all the time. And it just keeps the hair feeling great and it's fast. And so, and so to give some context, um, you have talked, you and I've talked about this a little bit before, but every 15 minutes. So an average day when you're in the salon, how many clients are, are going through your chair 
And how many people support you in the salon? So I never count clients. I count services. So I work uh, three days a week in the salon from 12 to 7. So it's about 21 services a day, sometimes up to, it can be as much as 28 services a day. Uh, And I work with one apprentice, one junior stylist, and they have to be working here at Dop Dop and trained for at least a year before they're allowed to work with me because they have to wear roller skates. I mean, you really got to move because I'm fast. And uh, we have a three-year apprenticeship here at Dop Dop and our young junior stylists have to do 150 live heads before they can earn a chair here. So by the time they get to a place where they're allowed to apprentice me for two or three months, they are on their game. Uh, the other thing about working with an apprentice is my apprentice only uh, mixes color, shampoos hair, and power dries my clients. I am a generalist, so I do cuts, color, um, relaxers, perms, highlights, glazes, face adjust, anything that you can change in the hair. And I also do finish work. Um, so for me, it's important that my apprentice manages my day and learns a lot and I do the work. My clients pay for my touch. And so I don't have my apprentices apply color in our salon. As a rule, we don't let our apprentices apply color. They can do a glaze, but they don't do singles. Um, and of course we do all of our other work. So Uh, It's always a learning experience. At the end of every day, my apprentice and I complete the day and we debrief. And I ask the same question every day. I said, wait, what did you learn today? And where did you grow? And that's a question we should all, if there's no one to ask that question of us, I think we all should be asking ourselves those questions every day. So talk about three-year apprenticeship. That's that's a long one. And and yet you guys are, are... ridiculously successful, and you've got a great reputation. And and separate from that, I know, as someone who studies the industry, that we have a tremendous amount of turnover, that so many people who come in with great aspirations and dreams don't make it. Talk about the power of patience as a professional. Oh my God, that's such a beautiful word. When I was young, my my great-grandmother used to say, patience, which is Italian for patience. And she would say it to me all the time. She would be, Joanne, budgians, budgians, my love. And I never really understood why until I got into this industry. I think it takes time for muscle memory in your hands to learn how to cut hair, to have that thumb move that movable blade in a way that the rest of your hand isn't chopping the hair off. I think it takes time and muscle memory to learn how to part the hair with a comb, whether it be a cutting comb or, or a tail comb. I think it takes time to have that power in your wrist to be able to do a beautiful blowout and have that finish with a, like a boar bristle round brush where it just looks like silk. It takes time. And I think patience is not what our new generation is looking at. They are all about, give it to me now. You know, (laughs) I think, um, the the new uh, up and coming millennials are like Veruca Salt from 
from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And they're like, I want it now. I want it right now. Don't say no. Don't say when. I want it now. It's like, I want the goose that lays the golden egg and I want it now. But when you're a hairdresser, your first five to 10 years, all you're doing is learning and you're learning through muscle memory. So I tell my team, we don't make mistakes. We make discoveries. Because in the first five to 10 years of your career, all you're doing is failing and learning from your failures. And if you don't have your young staff aware that they have to honor the space that they're in and the journey and the trajectory of what it looks like, they will get frustrated and leave. So we spend a lot of time coaching our young ones and letting them know that there is a future for them. And I would put one of my newest kids on the floor with 150 live hair and heads under their belt up against any other salons, senior people that are not as trained because we're a team and every single head that walks out of this shop has my name on it. We have, we have a huge reputation and, and I'm super proud of that. We've had salon, we've had hairdressers leave and open their own salons. We have more educated, empowered, powerful hairdressers in this city that are talented that we've turned out than any other salon. And I'm really proud of that. People know that if they come here, they're going to get a great education, you know, and I'm so honored that we keep that and we hold that strong. We do not deviate from our lack of like having our focus on passion and education. So I want to come back and talk about that, but I have to bring up something first. So you talked about muscle memory, and I'm sure I've heard someone else talk about it in this business, but but not that I can recall, to be quite honest. And I'm always fascinated with great hairdressers who can do the work and talk to me while they're doing the great work. And I always think, I, my roommate in college was a, was a guitarist, and I remember him trying to, to figure out how to sing and play the guitar. And he, t- <laughs> and, he, and he talked about the challenge of not yet having that muscle memory so that he could get the words out of his mouth and just let his fingers you know, do the playing. And I always think of that, about how hard that is. And, and so talk a little bit about your, your thing about muscle memory, because that's, that's a big idea. Yeah, well, muscle memory is really quite simple. Our young apprentices have to do literally six months of blow dry training and they get tested out on 10 different types of blow dries. They have to be tested out on using a Mason Pearson, on a boar bristle round brush, on a loopy blow dry done with a ceramic round brush. They have to be able to use a, um, a vent brush and a, uh, my God, my brain has escaped me. You know, at, at Vidal soon we use the... Denman? The Denman. They have to be able to blow dry with the Denman. They have to be able to know why they're putting the bend in the hair where they're putting it. It's one thing to be able to do something. It's another thing to know why you're doing it. You have to understand over direction and under direction. You have to understand sweeping. You have to understand... And that is all in your wrist. Like, that wrist needs to learn how to hold the hair. That wrist needs to learn how to twirl the brush. That wrist needs to know how to uh, part the hair off. The same way you wrap an old school perm, that wrist needs to have that muscle memory to be able to wrap that perm. The wrist needs to have the strength in it to be able to put a finger wave in the hair. And a lot of the schools now only require 10,000, like not 10,000, 1,000 hours to get your license. And when I went to school, it was 2,700 hours. 
It's not like that anymore. And there's a great book by Malcolm Gladwell that talks about, it's called The Outliers. And it talks about 10,000 hours of one practice to have mastery in that one area. So you have young people that are trying to do hair that have no mastery. They don't have enough hours of muscle memory or practice. And my goal for my team is that their muscle memory becomes so good in how they cut and color hair and put highlights in and balayage that when it comes to working on their clients, the muscle memory is there such that all they have to do is formulate and take care of their customer. Even in highlighting, the difference between balayage and foil highlighting is that foil highlighting comes from the wrist. Balayage comes from your elbow and your wrist stays stationary. If you don't have that muscle memory, you cannot perform these techniques the correct way. And for those who don't know, I mean, muscle memory literally is your muscles remembering to do it without you thinking about it. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's powerful. And again, nobody's talked about that with me. So, so I, I really love that. Also, one of the things I love about these podcasts is, is all the recommended reading that comes up. Malcolm Gladwell, one of the most powerful authors alive today, one of the best story, one of the best storytellers. He's my favorite. Everybody remember, just like you're listening to a podcast, audiobooks, Audible and other audiobooks. And I just read last night, again, I'm a, a podcast junkie. Malcolm Gladwell has a podcast and he's just about to start season two on his podcast. So everybody search that on iTunes. Yeah, he's fearless. He's got a great book out. Um, he's got the tipping point. Which yes. Powerful. Uh, yes. Uh, he has another really great book called uh, David and Goliath. Oh, brilliant. It's fabulous reading. And, and Malcolm Gladwell is really about thinking outside the box. He does not have linear thinking. He is completely, he's just extraordinary. And one of the things, that I, I don't know if you know this, but my husband's Jamaican and we live in Jamaica and I have a salon in Jamaica. So I have clients in Jamaica as well. And Malcolm Gladwell, I just recently found out he was coming to Jamaica to do a talk and I had no idea that he is of Jamaican descent. Yes, I knew that. He sold out in five seconds and I couldn't go. I was like, <laughs> Now you and I have been around a while. Were you able to see Malcolm when he was at TSA years ago? Because I did. No. Yes. The salon. Oh, the, uh, that would have been amazing. Yeah, the salon association. Gosh, it might have been 20 years ago, but um, got to see him. He had a a very big fro at the time. He had a lot still, of hair. He still does. <laughs> awesome. Great, great, great stuff. Um, so you had mentioned, you know, passion and education. You know, one of the things I, I observe a lot is there's so much education in the industry, and it's like it's like every every part of life. There's so much of everything today, but it's it's not always easy to to separate, you know, the good from the great and the and the and the, and the not so good from the good. And then also to find the time and to find the resources. And so what advice would you have for the audience uh, about education, finding it, making time for it, um, and any thoughts generally? Well, I think there's a couple of things I would say, Gordon. I would say there's tremendous education in our industry. Uh, I know for us at L'Oreal Professional, we have certification education. So you do three weekends and you get certified in a certain um, structure. I think that education is powerful. I think that knowledge is powerful, but I don't think that education in our industry should just be about hair. So I think you should look outside the industry. And a few things that I do, you know, I, I said I do Landmark Worldwide, Landmark Education, and that's personal growth and development. But I also love TED Talks. TED Talks are really powerful. And here in New York City, we have a, a place called Build, 
which is a really great platform for having education. And then one of our clients, um, Ariana Huffington, uh, who is one of my favorite people on the planet. She is a dop dopper and she's one of our clients. She lives next door. And Ariana has a company called Thrive. And she talks about how to have a better life through sleep and how it creates a different lifestyle. Uh, if you go on and check out Ariana, she's got amazing interviews with different people. She interviewed Mark Cuban last week. I think that education is multifaceted and it's really, uh, it doesn't come from just one area. One of the things that uh, uh, not very many people know is that I study brain science and, and neuroplasticity. Uh, and I love the neuropsychology of our work. So <laughs> I'm a bit of a nerd. It's okay. <laughs> but I think that learning is a multifaceted, like really prismatic kind of thing. And learning in the hair industry is brilliant. And you should definitely take classes in our industry. But learning outside of our industry, how to be a great business person, how to uh, be great with social media, you know, that's totally your gig, Gordon. And people like Ariana, learning from her, going to TED Talks, uh, there are just so many other ways to learn. And I think the more you you throw the net wide and allow yourself to experience things outside of your little bubble, the more well-rounded you become as a human being. I also find the more you go out there into the world, the you that you are behind the chair with your clients is far more educated, more well-versed, more well-spoken, well-read. And that has your client look at you in a different way. Because now not only are you making them look and feel beautiful, but you're stimulating their mind. And I think that that's the next level of luxury when you can have a really incredibly intelligent conversation with someone. And you know, there was a study done years ago, probably 20 years ago now, by either Harvard or Yale, and they were looking at service professions, including hairdressing, and they were trying to figure out, you know, where does success come from? How much comes from the technical? How much comes from everything else? And they quantified it, as they often do with everything. Um, and they said that 70 plus percent of the skills that you need to succeed in this industry were, were non-technical, were the ability to engage with your client, to be interesting, to, to communicate, to take information in and, and to, to translate it in a way that gives the client back what they want. And you know, everything you said is, is just so powerful. And I think as a, as a client, you know, I want to have not only a great experience, but I want to have great conversations in the chair. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that part of it is the, you know, like, as you said, is your technical capacity the other part is is your your ability to be a human being and be compassionate and loving and gracious. And, you know, I have always said this, Gordon, and I know you know me for a long time, but I've always said I'd rather have a mediocre hairdresser that's happy that I can train and loves people over a super talented da 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 da, -da. The the that, that word just was in my head as you were. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that and I and I think that I've watched for 35 years hairdressers that love their clients they're the ones that grow and so being loving and compassionate and listening and you know the number one complaint across the United States from clients is that hairdressers don't listen and if we could just take on listening not adding anything to the conversation just listening and adding at the end 
I always uh, say to people, if your clients talk too much, it's because you're not listening. Because the minute you actually, the minute your client is actually heard, they become quiet and calm. But if they're talking, 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 it's because you're not paying attention. That's so cool. And, and I'm going to add another thing from from all the many years of, of talking to consumers, because I, I love to, to talk on an airplane about what I do in the industry with people to then lead into like, well, what do they think about their hairdresser? What do they think about hairdressing? I, I love those conversations. And, you know, I would argue that first and foremost, we're not very good at judging the quality of your work. You guys love to, you know, to judge each other's work because, you know, you, you know, you're from the same place, but we consumers, we're terrible at it. And we tend to judge you by, again, the experience, by the conversation, by how much we ultimately love you or not. And, and I just, again, know so many friends, my mom included, who have stories about those bad hair experiences, yet they go back because they forgive and they want to go back to that person they love. Well, you know, I asked that question in all of my classes. I, I ask all of the people that are in the class, and this is every single class, how many of you have ever screwed up a client's hair and they came back to you? And always, every hand goes up. And I say, see, you can make a mistake, but they come back to you for your heart, not your hands. And you can correct a mistake. The great thing about hair is it grows out of your head. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that... Like the Chrissy doll is very, very good. <laughs> Just don't pull too hard. <laughs> Just don't pull too hard. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so we talked a little bit about education. Um, passion. How do you, you have so much of it. Every time I see you, you know, it just, it just spills over with you. You're such a positive human being and, and you have so much passion for every part of this business. But how, how do you keep that going? How would you, what would advice would you give to others to keep theirs going? So I teach this in my class. We have a part of the, the part of the risks, retention, inspiration. So inspiration is like really important to me. And there's a few things. So no one can motivate another. And no one can inspire another. The first thing to know is that motivation and inspiration are self-generated. They're inside you. You either have them or you don't. I can't motivate you and I can't inspire you. I might do something that awakens something, awakens something in your heart or enlivens something in your being, but motivation and inspiration are inside you. I can't give you that. So a few things that I do to stay inspired, the first thing I always say and this, again, back to my great-grandmother, she was so amazing. She said, always in the morning when I wake up, I thank God that I'm alive. So I don't, I'm not very religious, but I'm very spiritual. So in the morning, before my feet hit the ground, I honor the gift of a new day. And I just get really present that I open my eyes and here we go. And before my feet hit the ground, I get to create, whether it's going to be a great day or a miserable day. Nine times out of 10, or maybe nine and a half times out of 10, I create that it's going to be a brilliant day. Another thing that I really do um, quite often is I give a gift to myself. Pretty much every day I give myself one small gift, whether it be a great cup of coffee, which I know is really important to you. Very. Um, <laughs> because I live in Jamaica, I drink Jamaican Blue Mountain, uh, Blue Mountain coffee. The best. And so uh, I, I love that moment in the morning when everybody's still asleep and I make my coffee and you know, I go out on my deck and I just be quiet. I think there's part of being passionate is putting ourselves first, not last. Uh, you can't give to others unless you give to yourself first. 
And I love giving. So it's important for me to give to me uh, one little gift a day. Another really important thing that I do to stay really passionate and really inspired is I do things that uh, cause spontaneity. So go to the movie theater and see the next movie that's showing, not the one that you think you need to see, but the one that's just there. Uh, Go to a new restaurant you've never been to before and order all the appetizers and make it a tasting menu. I like that. Uh, Things that take you outside your box. I also love doing Fashion Week. I mean, I have this incredibly delicious privilege to be able to do Fashion Week. Uh, I think that's amazing because new fashions always inspire hair and uh, I also like to travel. I'm really into travel. I love architecture. I just came back. Um, I'm turning 50 next week. Yay. 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 50 and fabulous. And my husband just took me to Paris and we we took the TGV down to the south of France. And on the ride down to Marseille, I just looked outside at all of these beautiful mountains and these beautiful uh, just fields of crops and wine country and vineyards. And for me, that was so inspiring. It made me cry. So I think that that kind of passion is always inside of us. We have to wake it up. We have to knock on the door and wake up because it's inside us. And we can easily left to our own devices We can sabotage ourselves and hide in a corner and eat the same food every day and do the same clients every day and, you know, go home and get up under the covers and never go out into the world. Or we can go out and get on the skinny branches where you get the most sun and just blossom. So it's really up to us and no one can give it to you. You got to go after it yourself. It isn't coming cheap, easy or free. Get off your butt and go out there in the world and see what it's like. And then the last thing is living in Soho, I mean, living in New York City and working in Soho for 20 years, if I need to be inspired, if I'm having a down day, I can walk outside, sit on the stoop and people watch for about a nanosecond and I can see a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) A real lot. (laughs) A lot. It is quite colorful out there in the world. And, um, and I love that. And I just love that. That is great stuff. And, and, before we got started, we were talking about Paris, and I, I'll throw in my two cents. It needs to, if you haven't been the, to Paris, everybody should put it on their bucket list. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting. The other thing that inspires me that I didn't talk about is music. Uh, when I was younger, I was a singer. I've been in multiple relationships with tons of different musicians, but my current husband, and he is the best, he's a DJ. So there's music in our house, in the studio all the time. The kids are always dancing. We're always singing. We're like, music is such a huge inspiration. And while we were in Paris at the Philharmonic, at the Philharmonie de Paris, they had a Jamaica, Jamaica exhibit. And it was a retrospective of Jamaican music from the 1600s all the way to the present. And it was, it took up half of the music museum in Paris and it's there for three months and it was so inspiring. It was, it just took my breath away. And, um, you know, music makes me happy. It just, to me, hair color is like music. It's, it's got, it's got harmonies and choruses and ups and downs and highs and lows. And I see hair color through music. It's, um, it's beautiful to watch hair color flow. And it's always some sort of musical intention for me or interjection. 
So. That's cool. That's that's actually very profound. I, I I love that a lot. So so I love to ask everybody this next question, and, and you've answered it some. So I'm going to ask you to pick pick a different answer, maybe. But share with us, like, what are you reading, listening to, viewing, and or obsessing about that that would be of of interest to our audience? Wow, that's a hard question. If I tell you that I'm obsessing over foie gras right now, would that be bad? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, do you know it's against the law in Chicago? I live in Chicago. It's actually been outlawed. So I would say, yes, it might be bad, but but it is delicious. I will I will admit to come, it. Come visit me. We brought a bunch back from France. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I'm obsessing over right now? I know this is going to sound crazy, but um, a couple weeks ago, my husband bought me a convertible bug. And, uh, VW, and a VW bug. Yeah, Volkswagen Beetle convertible, 2017. Beautiful black on black with blue interior lighting. It's so fabulous. Anyway, I'm obsessing over having the top down and looking at the clouds and the, the sunset every day. So I work in Soho and I live in Riverdale and I drive up the West Side Highway every day to go home. And this is the time of year where it stays light out later. So when I've been driving home every night at eight o'clock from work, I'm obsessing, obsessing over these sunsets over New Jersey. It's like, it's crazy. When you drive up the West Side Highway, you have the river between Manhattan and New Jersey and the sunsets over New Jersey and the colors in the sky for the last, like, I've had my car maybe three weeks now. It has been insane. And so putting the top down and being exposed, you can't hide in a convertible, just FYI. Uh, But you also, not only can you not hide, but you can see. So I'm seeing the trees and I'm seeing the sunset and I'm seeing the water and I'm seeing the clouds every day. And it has become this crazy obsession. It's, it's, I know it might sound bizarre to people, but we live in a beautiful planet and we're so not present to it. And I'm so taken aback by its beauty. My birthday is the first day of summer. It's the longest day of the year. And the sunlight at this time of year is just so incredibly breathtaking. I love that um, listening to everything we've talked about, you know, you have so much that's kind of external to what we think of as, as everyday beauty, the things that we typically talk about that inspire people or that take careers to the next level. And you're very plugged into the world around you. And I, I think you take an awful lot of that into your work every day. I do. I, I, uh, I think that there's beauty everywhere. Every moment of every day, you can find something beautiful if you choose to. Okay. And, and that that is such a, a great place to kind of begin to wrap up. I don't think we can beat that last line. Um, so I want to ask you to tell our audience where they can find you and find DopDop online if they want to learn more about Joe Blackwell Preston. Awesome. So on Facebook, I'm Joe Blackwell hyphen Preston. Um, on Instagram, I'm Blackwell Joe. On Twitter, I'm Blackwell Joe. On Foursquare, I'm Blackwell Joe. <laughs> Uh, and I'm also at, our handle is at DopDopSalon, D-O-P-D-O-P-S-A-L-O-N on all of those platforms. And uh, what I would say to you 
is if you ever come to New York and you want to spend a day with us at the salon, call us a week or so in advance. Let us know you'd like to stay with us for the day. You can call 212-965-9540. Speak to my manager or my operations manager. They'll make sure that I'm working and come and spend a day with us. We don't charge for it. We love to have hairdressers from all over the world visit us and we have an open door policy. So feel free to come and check us out. And it's a gorgeous space and inviting space. I, I've been there. I love it. And I, I have to take you up on that invitation again soon. Joe Blackwell Preston, owner of Top Top Salon and L'Oreal professional international artist and passionate, iconic professional. Thank you for joining us today on American Salon Stories podcast. I love you. I love you, sir. It has been an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for everything that you provide for all of us with the work that you do. We are grateful. Oh, thank you, Joe. And we'll be back next week with another American Salon Stories podcast. In the meantime, we hope you'll follow us on Instagram, where we are known as at American underscore salon, also at facebook.com forward slash American Salon. That's all one word. And of course, on americansalon.com, where you can also subscribe to our free newsletter, Your Daily Beauty Fix. This is American Salon publisher, Gordon Miller, and I can't wait to bring you more American Salon stories next week. 